0: It's a dog. Dark night. Dark night. Hey, yo, what's up? This is the Protecting Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. And this is where you can find over at MMAJunkie.com as well as OxCheckerUS.com. But on this year' program, the Protecting Neck Podcast, we break down high level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully, it's before the fight. Recording this in the wee hours of Thursday night, um, before the weigh-in, so we'll see. Hopefully, there'll be no drama like last week, uh, well, at least with the fighters that we're betting on. Although the fighter we did bet on, you know, missed weight, air quotes, and, uh, and still cash, but it's all good. Still still riding high off that one, but don't worry. Try not to be um, insufferable, as I can be. Uh, we're going to not really do a recap. A couple missed thoughts and uh, a quick shot to Bellator 281, and then it's pretty much just going to be a UFC Vegas 54 breakdown. UFC on ESPN 36, UFC Fight Night, Blačković versus Račić. Uh, we we'll breaking that down from top to bottom, of course. Check the timestamps if you're listening on the show notes, Apple Podcasts. Thanks for the five star ratings and reviews, uh, the shares. It really does help, folks. Um, or if you listen on any other podcast platform uh, or the smartphone-friendly players at mixedmartialanalyst.com, where you can find click-throughs for, uh, you know, shitty companies, uh, or, you know, a secure PayPal link if you want to support the show that way, um, y- you know, which the click-throughs are free, because it just costs you an extra click, you do your shopping, at, you know, fucking amazonians.com and, uh, well, Amazon, sorry, I'm, I'm, that's probably an actual website, I shouldn't direct you there, um, and I won't get credit for it if you do go there, <laughs> But there is a secure PayPal link as well as uh, up in the link tree, which uh, someone used a Mark G. I won't say the last name, but thank you, sir, listener of the podcast, made it made a very generous donation, um, as you can to this free program. We go in uh, what we go like 7 wanna, we'll be going on seven years soon or something like that. I don't know. I lose track at this point. Um, but this is episode three hundred nine, so you know, we get there. We get there slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. I really appreciate the. Uh, support and love Uh, the most important thing you know uh, oh yeah by the way YouTube you check the timestamps for it as well Daniel Tom MMA Uh, thanks for the subscriptions and love there I actually put like a video up you know what I'm saying me doing a fucking gross things like a cuppy if you're not into that just fast forward through the beginning (laughs) and there's some other stuff on there I finally get a YouTube episode I got I got you know a classic media thing I could cut for some hits and uh, an actual rant that that was pretty worthwhile, even though it missed some points, you know, if I really wanted to pitch the shutout as I tend to do in the process, pretty much just driving away my listenership and annoying the piss out of people more than really driving a point home. But nevertheless, that's that, you know, uh, you know, I didn't do that yet. So it's just been so busy, man. Uh, again, the most important things more than these stupid uh, breakdowns and fights and gamblings and MMA, is a uh, family, friends, uh, life, you know. And um, thanks for the wishes for my best friend, uh, literally my best friend, uh, Benjamin, uh, Benji boy, Henge Benj, Benj man, uh, Ben. Um, he's, uh, yeah, he's. We got the uh, sarcomas and the tumors out. One of them looked really sketchy on the rear butt, which is a real common spot for lumps. So they're sending that in. We should have word within a week whether it's cancerous. Worst case scenario, if it is, we go back in we take some more just to be safe. And and hopefully he should be good. So, not completely out of the woods yet. I don't like to light cigars or celebrate too early. But appreciations, obviously, are grateful. Ben's doing good right now, recovering uh, from surgery. So, thank you guys so much, man. Dude's my world. And between that going on, just the stresses of a week and you know some of the other realities and reminders that i probably shouldn't have, like get to me made me really pretty embittered and then you had like everybody and their moms just like i said in the last podcast i was getting a lot of love last week that i didn't deserve thanks again you know, luke thomas is the world coming Event podcast for verbal taps of the world but like boy people were just coming at me man so I, a lot of that's that natural you know push pull it uh, feels teenage rebellion and all sorts of other emotions where uh yeah, um, the fact that I started out rough and then came back winning is dramatic enough. We've all had those nights, right? As degenerates, as gamblers for fun, for serious, for sharp, for whatever you want to consider yourself. We've been there, right? Um, and it can be cathartic. It can be a, you know, you can get a little bit of a cathartic response. Uh, you know, fuck off. Not tonight, baby. And um, it was extra so because of just fucking all the hate I was getting. It was ridiculous. It was just like... uh uh, you know, I know I'm not everybody's cup of tea, and, and it can naturally, you can become a bit unsu- insufferable sometimes, at least I feel I have, and I apologize for that, sure, but I'm uh, that bad, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I admit my biases than most, I admit my wrongs than most, I'm more objective and try to represent the other sides and underdogs and unrepresented than most, but um, but yeah, man, a lot of haters are waiting in the wings for you to fuck up, Um, so I guess I should just expect that every time I I fuck up. After doing this for so long and and doing pretty pretty darn good for for the most part, it was a winning night. It, no, it wasn't a massive winning night. I think I was like a few a couple hundred bucks here, a few hundred bucks there. Maybe like not even barely like. Uh, but I don't. Again, I don't play a lot like a lot of you have a and b. A winning night is a winning night in this game, no matter the context, no matter where you're at emotionally, no matter where you're at bank bankroll wise. Right by the numbers, by the emotions, and everything in between. A winning night is a winning night, and you should be grateful for it in this game. You got out alive. And yeah, again, it felt extra winning. So when the analysis was spot on, and as it was um, for the for the top fights, uh, at least the top fight, I don't know if anybody could really got the analysis for that top fight. Though I do want to credit, and I hate being that guy who's like, oh, no one knows talking about. And I try to speak in absolutes, but sometimes I get excited when I listen back and edit. There's so much shit that I say. That is just like, why did I say that? Or I said it flat wrong. Or I, I got the point across, but I was much more obtuse, much more uh, dramatic, much more hyperbolic, whatever word you want to use. Right? And then maybe I mischaracterize what is a good point, but I, I just get a little too eh, into it. So apologies for that. I, I For what it's worth, it's okay if you're annoyed by me when I do that. Cause I annoy myself when I do that. Um, and, uh, I hope I didn't do that with like talking about the knockdown points cause I didn't hear anybody talk, but the truth was I was trying to keep my filter clean. So of course I didn't hear much cause I didn't look at much and sure enough, um, as I tend to do after I record this podcast or even sometimes after the event, because I've just been so busy, I barely even get to my air quote dessert, um, which is the few MMA podcasts slash even fewer of that subsection MMA analysis slash breakdown podcasts I listen to. And I wanted to give Heavy Hands a shout because I, I, Phil McKenzie. I don't. I don't even know if he picked Charles Oliveira. I think he actually might have picked Gaethje. But he was someone who I obviously I always respect highly. But he was someone who also mentioned the point as far as um, Gaethje. Not sure if he'd be able to follow uh, Oliveira to the ground there. And I didn't listen to this week's as I will probably retrospectively again, like I like I, I tend to do, as I as I previously said, but. Um, as I was commenting, which we'll get to Michael Johnson, uh, it, uh, Connor uh, Rebush, uh, other, the other uh, host of Heavy Hands there, made some kind of like uh, auto-erotic asphyxiation joke uh, from Michael Johnson. And I haven't listened, but I'm guessing, you know, I just commented with uh, I, David Carradine. And of course, you know me, I was going to have a, a wire reference there. So I had D'Angelo Barksdale with his murder, you know, with the, the doorknob and the belt loop kind of a deal, choking himself. But uh, I can guess where that joke came from because, uh, you know, me and my David Carradine jokes and uh, I know in Michael Johnson's history, which we'll get to. But amongst the comments in there, someone said something about them doing a Twilight Zone bit. And I feel like uh, for the Rose and Esparza and like I think the same day the podcast, released I tweeted out that like Twilight Zone little uh, clip where it was like the alternate angle of Asparza uh, Rose. So I feel like everybody was saying the same thing, but nobody was picking up on the. Well, of course they're not, because it's it's an old like seventy year old reference. But um, that Twilight Zone episode where the kid like wishes everybody in the cornfield, and this just like, that was good that you did that. That's right, Johnny. That's great that you did that, and everybody's just overly kissing his, kissing his ass. And like, that's what I felt like watching that fight in the corners, um, with Rose and Pat, and and uh, so just judging by the comment I saw, I'm guessing that uh, yeah, you know, again, great minds think alike, folks. So I, I wanted to tie that and give them a shout. Um, I um, I also want to give, of course, a, a, again, Ben Cohn at Agent Ben Ten a shout, who did the actual UFC Vegas or the UFC 274 recap with me again. Check that out on the YouTube channel. Ben is the Ben is the man uh, with the Fight Site, and Fight Site, of course, puts out great analysis. Uh, you like a, a recap for technical stuff? Check out my man at typewritingda Dan Albert put on an excellent recap of Oliver Gaichi as well. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, last thing I want to say before I get the shouts and we'll we'll knock this breakdown out is um, I wrote misthoughts corrections. Uh, speaking of that episode I did with Agent Ben 10, uh, four withdrawals for Khabib and then illegal wins. I forgot to mention um, the the uh, mention. Uh, what was it? I'll get the uh, Instagram handle. Because a lot of people weren't mentioning this either. With th- Ariel did a great job as far as like sticking up for Charles DuBronx Oliveira. How he makes a good case alone, just even within the weigh-in, citing, you know, of course, the GSPs, the Daniel Cormiers, the Khabibs, all the greats that we all love. And I'm not making fun of you for loving them, because I love many of them too, of course, right? Uh, they're all great fighters, but we're very forgiving of them. And, and just, again, people still, uh, you know... Um, coming at Charles who has a history of missing weight like a history of missing weight uh, over a half decade ago in a completely different division yeah um but uh and 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 for everybody saying you know maybe come in lighter or at the you know don't come in you know uh, or he was the only people like he was the only one to miss weight he wasn't the only one yeah, Norman Dumont also missed weight and people were like oh two people miss weight only two people miss weight and the rest of the people missed, made weight and i saw some people out there actually doing the math of averages for people actually taking the allowance that they're allowed in non-title fights um and that was above average even though the weight misses were pretty much on average right i'd say two is the average 1.5 even even in this era right there's a lot of fight cancellations withdrawals for maybe weight related issues but they don't make it to the scale but as far as like weight misses they make it to the scale like even in this day and age probably 1.5 or 2 I'm guessing an average per card um so it's hard to do to live or die by those numbers but I saw I saw many doing so when again the overall average I saw someone actually run those numbers in a tweet um that was actually above and then you had a bunch of people you know I saw people saying oh it was just the people that miss weight I'm like well there are people that didn't miss weight Oh, that person was Brazilian. They were all Brazilians. I'm like, okay, we're going to play that stereotyping. there are fighters that weren't Brazilian. There are fighters, people that weren't Brazilian that weren't even fighting that all cited discrepancies on the scale. <clears throat> um, So that all kind of corresponds to the overall average being over and people, whether they made weight or not, uh, complaining about the scales. I think what was an Anakin Florian podcast. Someone else said something like a... Uh, Ferguson or someone else had like a extra tough weigh-in because they had to go and cut extra uh, because a lot of people were you know uh, you know uh, were are dealing with the same thing and the people that were made aware I think it was like nine thirty-six. it was only like 30 something minutes beforehand so if you weren't around for that announcement and you already like made weight before the night before like Oliveira and many fighters do so you can actually get your rest because rest is probably more prioritized than having to wake up early kill yourself cut weight just just Cut the weight or get close, float the last pound the night of, maybe sweat, you know, a half pound or something in the morning, but you're not having to do the whole damn weight cut. You know, and we saw a bunch of people like, you know, being late and all these things when they first started doing morning weight cuts, right? So we've seen more people move to the night of so they can get their sleep. If you wanna give Olive crap for that, waiting till last minute, okay. Okay, fine. But again, that's a hell of a coincidence. And again, hell of a coincidence in a hell of a way to, uh, go just to blame the fighters, uh, by the way, Eric McGracken, at Eric McGracken, who, uh, did the, the, the law stuff for, again, if we want to be sticklers, you know, stickler, you got to make weight, no, it doesn't matter what the, if it's a scale, uh, if, you know, multiple fighters, calibration issue, um, you know, uh, stickler, uh, stickler commission member at the slide bar scale, uh, even though he makes weights on the other scale, you know, um, Okay, you know, you you still want to pull the stickler card, letter of the law. Well, how about the letter of the law by the actual commission holding the fights and the weigh-ins? According to their letter of the law, it was an illegal weigh-in. It shouldn't have been happening even in that time window, for one. And if a fighter does miss weight like Oliveira did, they're supposed to get two hours, not just one. So, I mean, it's just all those things and just for people to still be blaming Oliveira. And then you got, like... You know, and I don't want to eh, to be the hater or anything like that and talk shit, but I just, like, saw an account, and I just almost wonder, like, it's one of those accounts where they mainly do YouTube stuff, and it's not the greatest analysis. It's pretty much like, the sky is blue, and, you know, or whatever, but, like, um, this person was like, oh, if Islam, if Oliveira beats Islam, then maybe he has a case to be greater than Khabib, and you guys already know where I went off on that. On all that legacy talk, man, I mean, if you have, a, if I have a Mount Rushmore, I mean, you know, uh, I'm having four and five, uh, I'm having, you know, at least two people battle for that last number four spot, and none of those five people in the picture are Kabieden or Madoff as far as legacies go, he's dominant, he's great, amazing fighter, um, but, uh, you know, undefeated dominant, but th- th- that's that's where the buck stops for me, you know, you look at who he beat, how he beat them, like, you know, Slim Charles fucking lapped his resume in a sense in, in a year. And, you know, and, and you know, especially we're going to do the weight thing when, like, we, we saw, you know, uh, the scale thing that, Ariel, you know, Ariel and many others reposted at this point. Um, <clears throat> I write could be for withdrawals, by the way, because uh, I think Oliveira, Oliveira has triple almost quadrupled the sample size across two different divisions, right? Um, so he should have more withdrawals. He should have more with weight misses, um, <clears throat> and he does have more on paper weight misses, or at least as many, if you count the UFC 209 one. But those were at featherweight. Um, he only has this air quotes one, which I don't. I don't think anyone's really counting. Whereas Khabib has again two, not even including the, um, <clears throat> not including all the times where he's had to take the extra hour because you know Khabib actually was granted those extra hours. He was granted the slide bar uh kindness you know he was uh he was granted these things catch weights and whatnot because again not even all his his, his his run at 155 like I think Charles Oliver already surpassed that because when people were comparing Tony and Khabib, that was another thing it's like not only Tony like beat these guys more impressively fight more amount of impressive guys at more impressive times in their career but he did it all at 155 because Tony never missed weight either Whereas Khabib's, there was catch weights, there was weight misses, there was close weight misses, there was should have weight misses, and there was numerous fucking fight cancellations from, like, 2015 era, 2014, multiple times with Cowboy Cerrone, who wasn't able to compete in front of a crowd. You know what I'm saying? And we're giving shit to guys like Oliveira. Uh, you know, people, you know, gave shit to, to, to Rose for UFC 223 with the bus thing. But what was the difference, folks? These people, they still showed up, and, and they still wanted their credit, right? Rose wanted 223. Uh, Oliveira showed up. And Juan, he gave the opportunity for Justin to still win. Um, whereas when Khabib fucks up, man, he was like fucking shit up for everybody, you know. And granted, he's been at the other end of it too, of course, you know. Um, he, he should be credited for you know taking on all comers at UFC 223, of course, you know. And if we want to talk, you know, well, Charles Oliveira again should make weight, and you should leave a pound allowance. Okay. Um, my guy Aaron Bronson was talking about Charles Oliveira has like the weirdest weights Fluctuations, right? And, and, and Aaron, smartly and rightly noted Never missed at 155, but he's had these weird weigh Where he weighs in like 152, 153 And it's constant um, In fact, at least half of his weigh in the UFC at 155 Are under 154 And if we wanted to like Do, I guarantee like I, don't, I haven't even done this math But this is a, you know, gun to the head Like, is Charles Oliveira the fighter who's fought most at 155 that has the most weigh-ins in the UFC at 155 under 154 for a 155 fight? Under 154 for a 155 fight. I guarantee you he's the most in the UFC. Like, you got to go to some early era, and I don't know if any of those undersized guys who were fighting at 55 because, you know, there weren't lighter weight classes. I don't even know know if those guys fight, fought enough times as Charles Oliveira to even do that at a consistent basis. You know what I'm saying? So, like, in other words, if... If, if, if we're going to give a fighter crap for coming in, not coming in under enough 155, are we really going to give it crap to the guy who's literally come the furthest under 155 the most times at the most percentages? More than anybody? Really? Um, and it's like, okay, well, did he do it for his last three fights that were title fights, Dan? Well, no, no. He came in right at the dot on his last three fights. He didn't leave room for error in his last three fights. See, that's what we're talking about, Dan. He didn't leave room for error for his last three title fights. You know who else didn't leave room for error for their last three title fights and came in on the dot arguably over once as far as Khabib did? But Khabib Nurmagomedov. I believe Justin Gaethje and or Dustin Poirier, but Dustin Poirier for sure. Pr- pretty positive. But it's like all these guys that are right up there that we hold as legitimate, like they all did the same thing. They all came right at the dot. If this is such a big deal and, and and fighters and champions need to account for it, which I'm not disagreeing. Like, yeah, I mean, if you can, why not why not do it under half a pound? But those of us who cut weight know how how big that half a pound can be. Um So yeah, I, I don't know. These are all moot points to me. And the facts, we you actually break them down, um are in guys like, you know, Charles Oliveira's side. You know, uh, but these are the guys, you know, uh, they get their titles taken from them. To- him and the Tony Fog- Ferguson's of the world. Well, why do you think I love these guys so much? Because they step up, they fight, they put on these legendary win streaks, making the weight, get their titles taken away from them. So, anyway, sh- sh- shame on anybody still. Uh, and it's okay, again, fucking Khabib's awesome. It's totally cool as your favorite fighter. and Not shitting on that, folks. But just shame on anybody shitting on Charles Oliveira. That's what I'm saying. Shitting on the fighter who always gets stuck with the bill. So, anyways. Uh, Bellator 281 is going down. Um, I broke down uh, verse page. It's, it's funny. Like I didn't even realize, like... See, I'm just like, fuck, dude, another double event week. Like, Bellator, he said, fucking... Ch- I think I read something or someone saying something. Like, they're going to slow down. Or they got to cut their... Roster, or I don't know what it is or something. I forget, but like they just been. There's so many damn shows. Like I didn't even know. I was like, uh, like I was like before I break it down. I'm like, I hit my I hit my boss is like, dude, you want you want to the page him before I start. Just want to make sure he's like, yeah, yeah, it's a title fight. I'm like, oh yeah, oh fuck, it's a title fight. I'm like, oh yeah, it's right. In Amazon with Ukraine. I'm like, okay, I get it, I get it. I t- I got to backtrack. It's just fucking Dunbar's number, man. I broke down their, you know, their last fights. I didn't even remember it. Um, Storley's way out of price range. Definitely think he's going to win. Picked him to win by decision. Not sure if he gets the finish because uh, Michael Page, to his credit, uh, London Shoot Fighters, to their credit, uh, good submission grappling gym. And Page will stymie. It's boring. He'll do wrist control. He'll just spam stuff like that. Um, he's got good leg dexterity. Uh, but I don't know, man. I think Storley can either get a late stoppage or a decision. I officially picked him by decision. He's a good parlay piece if you're listening to that before them. But I didn't parlay him. I didn't play him. Um, you know, part of me wants to win back from that. You know, from that Lima decision. But you know, that was just a that's a crappy thing again. You know, with these low output fights, as we saw with uh, you know Rosa Sparza, Right, you, you look down at your phone once, you miss one thing, and you're. You know, the whole round is toast, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, you know, that's kind of all it takes. But, yeah, I, I don't think Michael Page can be rewarded for his slop, both by judges and stylistically, as far as those r- literally running into the person knockdown bullshit. Um, you know, you know, it just that's just more my pet peeve, you know me. I like clean strikes and clean knockdowns being graded, not slop over clean s- strikes. But, you know, that's just... That's just me and how I perceive it. With, of course, damage to the prior... I don't, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying. I'm saying. Anyways, um, you can check out that in that breakdown. But really, uh, really good interviews uh, by Farah Honun, who's on site at uh, Bellator London. Shout out my colleague there. And um, also shout out to Gorgeous Jordan. goes. Did a really good interview with Logan Storley. Those guys always do killer interviews, and are doing much more at MMA Junkie Radio. So go support them. They also do watch alongs for the pay per views. I've had people ask me about that. I've part of the reason why I got my camera. You guys know um, it's something that I really want to do uh, and set up. I'm not going to be there set up for for a minute, but Gorgeous George and Go's have been doing it for, like, uh, I think, like, half a decade at this point. Um, I know it's half a decade because I know, like, October of this year will make five years since I last did it with them. Um, I've been asked by, like, Mike Bond to do, like, uh, one of the shows because uh, we're really trying to put... A lot of work in it so that's why I'm trying to plug it so you guys go check it out um, and hopefully I'll be joining it um, I was asked once but of course it was like the one weekend where I actually see friends you know it was that RDA Moicano George Kobe uh, fight week um, and the analysis dudes were in town uh, but I think they've used like my breakdown videos for pre-shows but uh, of course I do the pre-show with Aaron Bronstetter but you know hopefully hopefully maybe I maybe I'll jump on there I'll get an invite, um, but uh, if not, hey man, you just, you you, uh, you know, uh, uh, eventually that's why I'm just trying to build my own channel, so uh, I'll, I'll do my own to uh, get reps too, man, you can't, can't wait on the world, Got to you gotta get out there, man, but those guys do a great job, and I really wanted to give them and the team uh, some shine, whether they're doing the interviews or they're doing the on-site work, like Farah Noon, um, not much else to say about Bellator 281, uh, I will shout, um, Podcast that specializes in the European MMA scene. Speaking of gorgeous Georgian goes, they've been uh, jumping on um, the Brit Pack, which is one of my favorite intros uh, there with for Simon Head, uh, great dude Simon Head. And speaking of podcast intros, gotta give love to the Severe MMA podcast with Shawnee Pod God, um, Sean Sheehan. Uh, someone a listener tagged me something about like I guess I got a shout on that. Po- I, I I think I played their podcast in the background this week and I didn't recall listening to anything, but. I'm I'm kinda of half listening and half not most of the time. I just kinda of, I'm I don't know about you guys. I'm kind of a dude that I has to have like a movie or a podcast or something playing in the background while I do other other things. So I might have missed it, but um I definitely appreciate that and uh wanted to give love to those podcasts, man. So uh shouts to Shawnee Pod the the pod god, Sean Sheehan, who of course does uh, the Lord's work as far as trying to remind people the lovely scoring criteria that that, that very few seem to read. Uh shouts to them. Um all right, that's it. Let's uh, let's get over it. 25 minutes. Uh, UFC time. UFC Vegas 54. Headline by uh, Jan Blachowicz and uh, Alexander Raikic. Jan Blachowicz, plus 165. Is your underdog, Raikic 190 is the favorite. So I didn't end up on this one, too. I ended up picking Raikic by decision. This fight just feels weird, man. I feel like this should be dogger pass. This is a dogger pass, despite my pick. But I feel like this should be a fight where I still pick and play the dog. You know, I like Blakovich. I like old dogs. Um, but um, but man, it's it's tough because. I feel like you know he should be able to counter to the body and legs where Rakic can be hit. He's pretty good at defending his head. Will roll under his crosses offensively. Can play the counter game on the outside. Um, you know, but his uh, his stuff's a little more preset. Whereas you know, Eon has a little more um, sharper fundamentals and can uh, adjust on the fly a bit. You know, not that that's necessarily his game, but just more organic, a little more options, more feel for the battle. Um, which comes with all that experience that Blukovic has. The thing is, I don't know, I'm not a rumor guy, an injury guy, because all these fighters come in injured in all these circumstances, and then they end up still winning, right? So it's really, really dangerous to bet your bets, even your picks on it. Um, perhaps that's why I'm not betting, but perhaps it is playing into my pick, because then when I went back to watch the Glover Sheriff fight, you noticed that he was like, he really just grimaced at the can opener on his neck. Um, he taps fast at the RNC. And I'm not taking away from Glover there. But it just did not look like uh, Blachowicz. And he doesn't, you know, he denies an injury. gives gives credit to Blakovich. Says he's healthy coming into this one. But that's kind of what all fighters say, especially when they're good sports and stuff, um, like Blachowicz is. You know, he's, he's a good sport. Um, and uh, and that kind of worries me. Then you look at this fight. was supposed to take place in February. And it was postponed. And they ended, and just ended up rebooking it. Because... You know, they're over the scramble game and they're just trying to get everybody out the door and fights and, you know, the ultimate filler content here. and Not too much, you know, I don't know how much building they've got in mind or how much care they can even, in their defense, they even can put in the matchmaking with this breakneck schedule, right? So they rebook it, but it's like, what was the injury? You know, was it next stuff? Um, and I looked at Jan and I tried to look too much into this either, you know, especially as he's getting older. And whatnot, you know, you can't compare like Jan now from Jan earlier in his career. He he does look more ripped, um, but he just seemed like I got the same worry from Blagoy and, and and some people that you know I respect were warning me out, trying to warn me off Blagoy last week, saying you know he's been injured, you know saw this of the wing and looked this. And to their credit, you know Blagoy never looks great, but he looks smaller, almost like shrunken. Like what was what's going on there, you know, um, and. I don't know man from what I'm seeing from the Instagram I just Bakovich doesn't seem like he's I don't know in his normal shape normal cutness normal muscular normal ripness, normal whatever you want to call it again it's hard to tell from pictures who knows he's never like again especially this recent run he's not he's not the you know the, the most like you know vainy triumphant bastard to quote a super bad you know what I'm saying he's not walking out like that you know Uh, Jesus, Dan, but you know what I'm saying, so I don't know, maybe it's just me, and I look at it too, um, Rakic, he's really focusing a lot on his wrestling, he always has, but now he said, even this last year, he's at the age where he can make skill skill jumps, and he said he's mainly been working on wrestling and cardio and conditioning, and those are the main things you're going to need in a five round fight in a small cage against Jan Blachowicz, And Blakovich, you know, I think he can defend and stymie a lot of the early shots, perhaps. His defensive wrestling has gotten better as as well as his offensive wrestling, but I still feel like Blakovich can tire doing that, you know. Um, I feel like it was nip and tuck with his gas tank. Like, if he didn't get the takedowns at the right time, you know, he didn't have that strategized out kind of perfectly in a way by going for the takedowns late against Adesanya. And even though that wasn't the most torrid pace of the fight, like, Jan is 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 going through his wins, you know what I'm saying? And he's still won and good on him, but you know, part of me feels like Rakic can either run himself into a wall like uh Dominic Reyes did. But also part of me feels like he can, can't he's much more willing to wrestle when he comes forward and he's much more um risk averse in general, whether he's fighting off the back foot or not, Rakic is than Reyes. Uh, that being said, he can still get countered really hard when he comes in, right? So I think those first two rounds, um, Blokovic is going to be really live to knock him out and perhaps even set a tone, a serious tone of the fight if he's able to hurt him and seriously scare him off. Um, then perhaps he's able to uh, keep the temperature, uh, you know, within a, a cooking temperature where he can still win a decision and it doesn't get set to a broil. But. You know, if regage is even if he's just cage pushing and it's ugly, he's not necessarily getting success taking him down early. Once he does, I think it's gonna just be you know I think he can wear on 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 Blakovich. and in those positions he's gonna score too. He's not that busy with strikes in the clinches, you like. He he's definitely focused on grappling, defending and or offending uh, offense. uh Rage is, but um, once he gets down, he's really active. Um, with scoring with strikes, whilst not taking too much risk positionally, so he'll kill clock and score, and he's just really big man. Like Blaikovitch, he's powerful, of course, but he's not the biggest light heavyweight. You know, he's not the big. He doesn't cut a ton of weight. Um, and he said this himself too. Uh, and Rose Ruckus is just like you know, future's probably back up at heavyweight. I mean, this kid, this kid's giant. Um. I know I'm not usually the big size and youth and moment, but um, yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with here by decision. But ain't no way in hell I'm picking or playing this. This is dog or pass all day. Don't blame you guys for going against me, playing the dog here. Not saying you should, because I just got a weird feeling about this fight. The overs and the unders even sketch me out, to be honest. Because um, even over four and a half plus one plus money, it's tempting, but it's like. uh, Dude, both these guys could knock each other out, and I guess I couldn't be too surprised. You know what I'm saying? Harder for Rakic to get the knockout, in my opinion. Unless Jan is gas and is attritive. But uh Rakich by decision. Uh main Event, Ewan, Cute Laba, minus two thirty five. Ryan, Superman's band, plus one ninety. Going with Cute Laba here. Um I like that he you know. Devin Clark, better than many of us give credit for. And Devin Clark showed some real heart in that fight where he got got his uh, teeth knocked out by by Cute Lava. Um, but I'm glad he showed heart because it allowed Cute Lava to kind of show demonstration pace, showed you could listen to the corner. Um, when Eric uh, Nixit gave out directions, he's still been training at Extreme Couture, which I like, of course. Uh, of course, Ryan band trains with uh, the general, Coach Safe Sayud, who I really like and respect. Um, but Span, man, he's, he really could fall apart. Um, I think I picked and played Smith against him last time, but it was one of those ones where I picked, I called it, even though I called third round, I didn't expect Smith to get it in the first round. Um, it's, it was one of those ones where it felt like such an obvious pick and the line was so soft in hindsight that I felt like we, we all should have really backed up the Brink, struck on Anthony Smith in that spot. Um, cause Ryan's band, he gets, he just, the truth of the matter is he gets sketchy when it goes past the first round and that is not the kind of guy who's going to challenge cute Laba, who you have to survive the storms against. And that was old cute lobby at the storms against this newer version, um, is much more efficient. Um, even his shape, I know he's always been in good shape, but he even looks a little more cut up. Like again, doing more, um. Maybe, maybe, again, that, 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 that speaks to more of the cardio and efficient output we're seeing from him than just the muscly slugging, I'm going to Hulk everybody, like how he initially came in. We're actually seeing technique and process. Along with that raw explosive aggression, um, he's finally using his wrestling smartly, not just randomly or not at all, right? Um, he's using it to score and can score on, on good wrestlers who can scramble. And not, like, tire himself out and kill himself where he's falling over, going ass over tea kettle, trying to hold him down. And then now he's on bottom, like, which probably would have, you know, been more his MO before. And outside of, you know, Misha Serkinov, who I believe is, like, a judo and jujitsu black belt, highly accomplished grappler. And that was, like, over half a decade ago before Serkinov fell apart slash and had his confidence beat out of him. Aside from that, the only other person to submit him is the champ, baby. Glover Teixeira. Um, one of, one of my favorite fights on his way up to the title. So, you know, not exactly the easiest to submit or stop Cute Laba. And the only person that ever stopped him is, again, those two. And one of them was, you know, was that playing possum one, which is hilarious. Um, Of, uh, you know, of uh, they're both Mahomet, Dagestani, Stipe. Southpaw, uh, which Span is not. Span's got a good left hook. And uh, could maybe catch Qtelaba there, but Kutilaba was hard to get out of there. And as we've seen, like a lot of times, fans has been knocked out or stopped. Like he's hurting the guy just before he hurts them. And again, it's just like uh, I don't know what what's really there for a chin. Chin gas tank not good to not have in this finishers division. So Labba was one of my more confident plays of the card. I was gonna play him inside the distance, but that's juiced up to all high hell minus 165. Get plus money if you think he can win a decision. I think he can win a decision. I just don't know if Span can last for a decision. Otherwise, I'm, I might sprinkle there to bolster the parlay leg. That's right. He is one of a two-leg parlay. Next fight, Davey Grant there. Hello there. Come on, Bobby. Davey Grant's going to get in there and swing some bones there. Uh, Luis Smoka, plus 240. Um, Yeah, this one fucking got jacked up, too. Grant, by KO, was like plus right at plus 100. Because that's how I see him winning this fight, which sucks, because you know me, um yeah, I got love for Smoka, uh, Hawaii baby. But again, I, I I'm just because someone's Hawaiian or from the Extreme Couture, not that either of these guys are from the Extreme Couture part, but I'm just saying, the things you would stereotype me for being biased toward doesn't necessarily mean so. And whether I am so or against so, I always state my biases. Um, no real biases to state, just saying that I like Smoka, right? You know, a little bit of Hawaiian homerism, but... Man, does he start slow and looks like uh, that knockout that he suffered Vince, Vince Morales kind of was going to come for a minute, you know? Even that be- beginning of the Quinones fight doesn't look that great. And Davey Grant, he attacks the legs, he attacks the body, and uh, those left hooks up high, man. I think he's going to left hook knockout um, Luis Smolka, to be honest. It's going to suck. Um, part of me was thinking about betting it, but again, they... You know, Davy Grant could get a submission too because Smoke has been subbed by guillotines and triangles and that is the majority of Davy Grant submissions uh, minus some rear naked chokes here or there but uh, he's got like three or four guillotines and some triangles sprinkled in early in his career with them, lo- with them long legs there eh? um, Davy Grant eh? <laughs> make him sound creepy Dan um, sorry pick his Davy Grant by second round knockout possibly actually end of the first round End of the first round small because a all starter. Um Amanda Hibosh, plus plus one fifty five. Caitlin Chook Chook Chukagian minus one eighty going with the chook chook train. Chook chook chook. Uh, by decision. Um, you know, the knockout could be a cheeky angle because he has shown to be chinny, but counting on Chukagian to finish a fight, and I want to give Hibosh maybe she's a little more durable going up in weight, you know what I'm saying? Um so I'm actually gonna say decision here. I saw it at plus one ten in the other house. Then it's minus one ten in another. Maybe if it goes plus ten on both, I'll sprinkle because like I'm 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 looking bare on this card for bets, which is probably a good thing. But we'll see. Um it's still gonna need a decent combination of my things to hit instead of just half or a portion, which I never like, but that's kind of just what we're playing with. Next fight, uh Manuel Torres minus 125. Frank Camacho plus 105. Yeah, man, this one, out of principle, you know, taking Camacho, plus 105, uh, plus 106, I got him for laid one unit on him. Uh, Went back to read Manuel Torres, and again, dude, two of the most, like, unkind contender series uh, grades I've given uh, are fighting on this card. And one of them was Manuel Torres, and he looked more measured than the very, very little bit of his past fights, where he was just a wild man kind of you know spamming a lot of uh, hard strikes power strikes and then would you know end up getting rnc's in the chaos kind of a deal he looked more measured flicking out a jab and some front kicks but we really don't get to see much um and then he does that like eye poke like rake and even if he didn't poke him it's such a blatant and ugly fucking rake. It's like, what were you doing? You were just trying to fuck with your opponent's eyes at that point. Like, it's that's not a technical move. It wasn't even a clean shove. Even if you want to do a cheeky palm strike and shove him away, I'm cool with that. That's actually fucking clever and impactful. Like, th- this wasn't impactful. It was fucking cheap and rakey, impactful in a fouling way. Um, cross somebody's fucking eyes, of course, because, you know, that, that ain't fucking precious. Um, so yeah, and then, you know, he only gets the shot, because, you know, and maybe he would have been in there anyways, he's not super young, you know, he, you know, is, you know, I guess decent experience in the Mexican scene, but really, I don't know, does he? Because it's like, <clears throat> the, dudes, the dudes he's knocked out were like, oh, and one, like, they just showed up to get knocked out and have nothing on their record, and it's like, five years ago or some shit, I forget, I'll, I'll pull it up now, but they're not even like, um, yeah, they're not even, like, impressive, like, knockouts. Because I know Frank Camacho can get caught early. And it's weird. It's like Frank Camacho was, like, a, only a plus-155 dog to Benil two fights ago. Um, but, you know, him getting stopped by Justin Janes, who, you know, everybody hates on, um, I believe, a little more unfairly. Justin Janes, way more experienced than any of the dudes um, Manuel Torres has fought. Now, Justin Janes, again, I know Homer there, but deceptive amount of experience on paper. It really does... And, again, had had moments in the fights that he was losing. Um, Dangerous guy. But, you know, you you could say, oh, well, you know, he's one of these fighters here in the COVID era. Dude, that's half the roster now, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's half the UFC roster. So, Um, you know, I'm not saying you can't criticize. I'm just saying, you know, I'm not sure if it's the most fairest thing. But, yeah, we got Manuel Torres here. And it's just like, okay, well, when was his last... uh Knockouts. Um, It's weird. He only loses by fucking um, what do you call rear naked uh, chokes or heel hooks or leg attacks. I should say. Sorry, I was looking at his last TKO win. Is like what, like half a decade ago or some shit? Andreas Baca, twenty sixteen. Yeah, that guy was three and one. Uh, Jesus Tejeda, zero and one. That's the guy he knocks out next. And some of these are like retirements too. They're not even like, they're not even like a, like submission to punches kind of shit. Like I mean, it is like, like, like over half a decade ago on the regional scene. The rest of his his wins um, are against people with actual fighting records for what that's worth, and and he submitted those guys. But Camacho, I believe, is a judo or jujitsu black belt. Um. And, yeah, like, guys like Benil Daryush are, are submitting him granted. And, you know, you look at the shot from Justin James too. it was the perfect shot. It was the perfect hooking off what he thought was a jab. Like, those will fuck you up really bad. Um, he had a sketch weight cut before that fight, was scheduled to face someone else with a last-minute change-up um, the week of. Um, and this guy has not had great luck during fight weeks between car accidents and other the like, Camacho. Um And even then, it was like a standing stoppage. You know what I'm saying? He didn't complain about it. I didn't complain about it. I was happy. I picked my guy, Justin James, of course. But, um, you know, again, like, I mean, maybe this guy's got that power. You know, Camacho dips. Maybe he dips into a head kick. But even though he didn't really get to show um, those improvements in that fight, um, his fights, two fights prior, he changes camp to Timo Yama. And uh, just see a much better, you know, Frank Camacho... There, with Nick Hine. Um, and even arguably won the Drew Dover fight, although he wasn't—he didn't make the Oyama change then. But you see a much more composed Frank working the body, um, hitting um, inside ankle counters, like really sharp shit, uh, kicking the body, kicking the legs. Like that's gonna be good, man. As long as he, he can survive that first round, um, he probably even get, get good takedowns too. I mean, look at the outside trips and stuff he was doing against when he when he was, when he faced the, uh, a striker. Uh, who was really dangerous in the first round. Uh, when, he, when, he, uh, when he faced one of those, uh, we actually saw that fight play out. What happens? And, again, that was Drew Dober. He went for a lot of takedowns, did well on the strikes, too. Arguably won that fight, right? Close fight, but arguably won that fight. Even Drew Dober kind of felt like he won that fight because Drew Dober is just such a sweetheart and good sport and was just giving, like, through his own words, giving that to Camacho, um, giving credit. Like I didn't even know if I really won that fight, to be honest. you know. And that's, that's, that's his own words. It's not me... Trying to paint a case for you guys. Again, I don't give a shit. You put your money wherever you want. Disagree with me if you want. I don't care. I'm just telling you where my line of thinking is. And again, here's why we'll probably lose this bet, though, is because the world is unfair. And we see this all the time with this shit, piss-poor matchmaking where these veterans um, or people that are you know, veterans and or just more deserving of the win, good p all the check marks of stuff that matters, stuff that doesn't. Granted, right? Being a good person doesn't matter. If you're gonna to want to fight or not, um, but we see this stuff, and not that Manuel Torres is a bad person, but again, you know, getting in there, getting the get, you know, getting a spot, probably because let's be honest, you know, he's, he's Brandon Moreno's in the UFC and getting that rub, and then gets a fucking cheap ass, you know, um, gets a cheap ass win, um, and then gets a contract off of it, which was like bullshit, like you know, that's like, you know, like if that. You know, would have been graded, you know, the you know as a foul and then it goes to no contest. That would have been, like, the perfect 10-10 round because it barely got going. Um, but, you know, not a 10-10 for Dana. You know, it's a win in the books and then it's a contract for Dana. And, um, and yeah, but that would be, like, so perfect for, you know, just, oh, especially my history of betting against these contender series fucks, man. Um, you know, pushing out the people who have had to pave the way and, and take the hard road and all that shit. And just uh, here comes a contender series kid just gonna do his wild shit and get a quick win. Um, because when Frank Sinwacho does lose, it is mainly in the first round. Whereas you know, this kid, um, it seems like first rounder bus, you know, first rounder bus fighter doesn't have the experience, didn't pay his dues, doesn't deserve, probably doesn't deserve to be here, definitely doesn't deserve to win, which means he probably will win. But you know me, I can't help it. You're gonna give me a fucking plus money price on a on you know uh, on a guy as well-rounded, experienced like Camacho um, against a first rounder, bus contender series fighter in his debut. Uh, I know it wasn't good for Camacho last time in that small cage, but I'm going with Frank the Tank. He looks like he really did a lifestyle change um, since that accident. Really started doing strength and conditioning and running for the first time because he's, like, afraid of saunas and running. So it's, like, no wonder why he always missed a weight. The dude doesn't was against running and against saunas. Like, and he's an island dude, and I, you know, us thick boys, man. Like, holy shit. And now he's actually, like, running, doing strength and conditioning for the first time. Again, this is, is going to be now his third camp with Timo Yama. You know, the last ones was pandemic. Didn't get to show it with a car accident, all these. So we really still haven't got the scene And the one, like, full uh, glimpse, he looked really good at you know? Um granted you have to go back to Nick Hine to find a you know to um to really to really find that. I don't think it's listed as a, as a thing, but I don't think that was the original matchup with um Camacho and Benil, I wanna say either. Um, and then look at Benil sense, obviously. So it's like, I mean, how much do you really want to knock him for that one too, right? Um but uh but yeah, yeah man. I'm gonna go with go with Camacho. Uh one unit at plus plus one oh six there. Let's go, baby. Um, Speaking of uh, contender series, Jake Hadley, minus 220. Alan Nesimento, plus 180. Nesimento also fought in the contender series and lost, but it was a split that he arguably could have won against, you know, it was one of the best contender series fights against a dude who's done actually really well and has got some promise in the future And Howley and Paiva. Uh, Of course, he also lost a split, which I actually thought he won on rewatch, folks. Um, I might have said that before, too, which is why, even though I picked... Um, to jeer with him back off against Tim Elliott. I, I, I did caution not to stir up any old wounds, but you know, that, that was uh, that, that was part of it because Nascimento is, is super active, super experienced Muay Thai, black belt. I also thought he was a black belt in jiu jitsu because that's like his specialty. Um, and he comes from that camp, but no, he just comes from a really good camp, although he is a brown belt in jiu jitsu. So no shade there. I don't know what Hadley's rank, if any, uh, but he's super well trained, grappling. It's definitely his thing. Can be flexible from bottom with go-go plattas and shit. Uh, really good with taking the back. Obviously, that's his thing. Um, can wrestle? Can get up well? Can scramble well? Wanted to pick against this guy, you know, but I was looking at it like Nascimento doesn't do a lot of switch-up liver kicks or left hooks to the body, which you're going to have to do against Hadley because Hadley's a, he's a southpaw, but he does this, like, uh, wing block thing, you know... Uh, it, 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 he almost boy, wing blocks and then almost holds up a guard almost like Tom Brees and company which makes sense because I think he just trained with uh, some other people in Birmingham um, like Fabian Edwards Leon Edwards uh, much of those camps a lot of people that are bigger than him I don't see but many notables around his size Nascimento big for the weight class as well so that'll be really interesting especially if Hadley wants to go grapple with him but he does that wing block thing like I said and opens his body on the liver side it's just no one ever hits him there for whatever reason, and hopefully Nascimento does, but I didn't see a lot of, again, switch kicks from orthodox or left hooks in his repertoire to the body, which would be nice considering especially that, you know, Brazilian Muay Thai style that, um you know, you could stereotype that he's accoladed in and comes from. Shootbox, Diego Lima. Um, I think two of those fighters on this card, but, uh, yeah. Um, if you bet Nascimento, maybe you take the flyer on Nascimento by sub. Round one is like plus nine hundred, but maybe just not spent up by sub in general. Maybe he, he, if he does win, he can break the trend. Plus five twenty five ain't a bad shot, but um, it's dog or pass in my opinion. The pick is going to be Hadley, uh, by 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 decision. Um, Hadley checks kicks really well, and you know he just he, he there are problems, but uh, I think here I think he he can. You know, score enough to get to his spots and convince the judges, and what'll be another close, maybe even split decision-like fight. Probably dog or pass here, to be honest. Picking Hadley by decision, but uh, don't blame anybody taking shot on Nasimento money line sprinkle, or sprinkle even on Nasimento sub plus five twenty five. I don't, I'm not telling you to, I'm just saying I don't blame you. Definitely a fight where um, I, a lot of the things I want to bet are against my picks, and maybe that's what's keeping me away in some cases. Though some cases I might want to sprinkle. That would be. That would be one of them, honestly, because I, I did write it down here. Um, Andrea Lee, minus 115, 115. Viviani Araujo, minus 105. Lee opened up the favorite line, Tighten up. I get it. Araujo, she's definitely tempting. I've taken her in these matchups before, um, but I don't know if I'll take her here because Lee Lee surprised me. She, um, she looked better last time. I thought she was going to look like trash, but then again, I know. Calvillo's kind of going through her own thing, so that makes it weird. I'm going to pick Lee by decision here to gut it out, because uh, Araujo Gas is too hard for me to confidently pick her. And even though... Sorry, my dog, Brownie. She's just flopping around. I'm being a mess. Even though Lee um, looks tired, and, and, and that can be body, bad body language that they interpret as she's tired or hurt to the judges, um... I don't I, again she's going to be in there with someone who's got worse body language than her past the you know 7 minute mark. Um so maybe Ado Ujo flips it who knows again it's not a fight I want to have my money on either way. I'll pick Lee by decision. Next fight boy you, you would think I'd have my money on this. Well maybe I'll regret it, you know. Maybe it's just PTSD from betting Michael Johnson too much. -150 Alan Patrick +130 I just think Patrick's overrated. His style has never been great, especially in this era now where they're actually, you know, uh, focusing on damage as they should be. I feel like that makes Patrick obsolete. But Michael Johnson is you can never underestimate how hard this guy can S, S, S the bed, shit the bed, right? Um you know, the, the guys like you know, him and him and Marcos Rogério de Lima, you know, are are in a contest with with maybe some other people if y- y'all can shout me with some, but you know as far as like except with with, with Johnson it doesn't it's like i don't even know like it doesn't even seem like it's a panic thing with him it's just like it feels like it's just like he's like oh okay well i guess this is happening um and, but then you know you look at patrick he hasn't really subbed anybody Like, he never subbed anybody in the UFC. He's like some short-notice replacement dude who never want to fight in the UFC or want to fight since in his first UFC fight, like, what, back in 2014 or some shit. Um, But, like, submission-wise, you got to go all the way back to some guy named Augusto Caesar in 2008 was his last submission win. Jesus Christ, man. This guy hasn't submitted anybody in over a decade. You know, um, he's 38, but, you know, Johnson's going on 36. You go look at his training, and Johnson's just doing the same thing with enemy Hoofs, The same mitts, mitts, mitts. I don't see any wrestling. I don't see any jiu-jitsu. I don't see any cage work. I don't see any wall work. It's just mitts and striking and sparring every time. And, uh, you know, um, I don't know if things change. Hopefully he matured, you know. But I know Michael Johnson, you know, he's like that fighter lifestyle as well um and then new jet on the other other and alan patrick he's over at uh, Shootbox diego lima so maybe that's enough to scare me off here i'm still picking michael johnson by decision because both these guys don't get as many finishes as you would think even when they have their win conditions um and it's going to be a really ugly fight so even if johnson hurts him it's the small cage and it's patrick so but patrick doing his wild stuff to it, it's the small cage he's going to make it messy and tangled and even though he might. He won't get the sub probably, and he probably won't even get any dominant positions. He will be able to make it sticky enough to survive. Make it ugly. Um, maybe even make you sweat enough if you do bet Johnson, which should be the bet here. It's not a dog or pass, even with it. Michael Johnson. I'm just. I'm too scared to bet Johnson. I feel like even at minus one, he opened even tighter. I don't blame anybody taking that. But even at minus one fifty, you can still justify laying the price on MJ. I'm not. I'm scared off here. So I just stayed away, um, and I picked him. Um, how much is it by him by decision? Maybe maybe I'll sprinkle that. I think it's like plus 200-ish. Um, Johnson wins by decision. Plus 175. What did it open at? Plus 180, okay. Eh, maybe plus 175. Who knows? Sprinkle something small. Like, a, you know... unit or something, we'll see, or something like that, who knows, what is it, Michael Johnson, my main man, Michael Jackson, my main man, um, Three Kings, baby, 1999, what is 30, what is 37 in a row, 64, meh, I don't know, we'll see, I'll post it if I do, um, next fight up, um, yeah, here we go, Vierna Janji Droba, or as, uh, uh, my guy Brashik says, uh, Vierna Hanji Joba minus 170. Uh, Angela, Angie, Overkill Hill, plus 150. So it's Hanji versus Angie. <laughs> Angie versus Angie, baby. Um, believe it or not, this is where you know I, I have to remind the masses that I love Angela Hill. I really do. But again, I pick things as an unbiased analyst and I judge action for the action that actually happens and for that reason it seems like I'm an Angela Hill hater she's always coming unfortunately for her coming up short on split decisions um and a lot of them I'm not sure she has much of an argument for some of them but it uh she's got a lot of she's a media darling she's awesome she's got a lot of fans as she should she's got a fun style with uh, which should give her even more f- fans. She, she deserves all these things, folks. I'm not being a hater, but when t- people are just turning the steering wheel so hard one way into their biases or their darlings or their fan favorite, I'm sorry, I, I call it the contrarian in me, or maybe just you know wanting to remind people that the sky is in fact blue. It's not just whatever color we want to paint it on the day of. I don't know. Um. Buzz Killington, I know, but like, yeah, it just, um, yeah, I, I don't know. But uh, I think this is a bad matchup for her. I think the small octagon is just bad for her um, because it's going to encourage grappling. Virna Janidroba uh, has, I think, good enough wrestling and good enough to get after it to get Hill down. Um, Hill is better her in the clinch, but with a grappling threat there, how much does that advantage does she really have? Uh, Verena Jinji Droba can be hit clean And just smile and keep coming So I don't know um, If Hill can really stop her Her striking's gotten better um, Jenny Droba's She's got decently heavy hands For her division Like She's able to at least get respect off the girls she fights When she hits them She was training with Melissa Gatto For this fight So a very tall, aggressive A very impactful striker um, Who also has good jiu-jitsu um, so yeah, I don't, I think, I think Verna, Ver, uh, Vienna, Janji Droba, Angie Joba here gets, uh, gets Hill. Um, I bait her the second leg of my parlay, cause I'm not sure if she's going to get a, she either gets a decision, uh, she either submits her or wins the decision. So what I did was I parlayed her with Cute Lava, minus 190 Verna, Cute Lava, minus 225 for plus 120 at one unit. And then I also sprinkled, uh, 0.37 units, 37 in a row, um, it's funny, they both ended up... Both props were different, but ended up at the same number. I got Verna sub at one house and plus 275 And the other house that doesn't offer sub props, that groups it all together... Thankfully, they're inside the distance prop. Was the same price for 275 So I just put um, three seven units on there. Um, Thirty-seven duales to uh, win um, a unit... Just over a unit if, if she subs her. Um, on top of the potential uh plus one twenty that could cash. Um if Cute Lava also wins, so that's what I played. There, and again, I'm gonna be bad guy number one for picking against Angie Hill. It's a fucking It's a fucking blasphemous, I know. I'm sorry, folks. Um Tatsudo Tyra minus two forty, Carlos Candelari plus one ninety five Again, the same analysis the first time. This is just a wait and see fight. Um, uh, one of the many questionable, but just they're just signing everybody that season of contender series, and then Tyra's from Japan, which I'm excited for, but of course we know that stereotype of the Asian fighters not traditionally doing well for whatever reason. So we'll see. Um, I think Tyra can uh, get to his win conditions of grappling, back take, so on and so forth. In the small cage, which favors the grappler and Candelario is pretty aggressive, so I could see him giving something. We'll see. Pick his Tyra, but I stayed away. Uh, lastly but not leastly, Nick Maximoff. Minus 380. What the fuck? Plus two ninety, Andrew Petrovsky. Um This line is stupid, man. This makes me want to pick against Maximoff. Fuck, this is so tough for me. I was like going back and forth in this fight. I originally was just gonna just pick Maximoff and move on. Um, like the rest of the world apparently. But I'm just looking at it, and I'm like, he's not a very damaging fighter, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, I I know Petrowski gasses, but I feel like he's learning how to to deal with that because now he's gotten two third-round finishes in a row or something, right? Um, You know, you, you look at, yeah, he lost round two against, you know, Brian Battle. Brian Battle's a pace fighter, and that's in the tough house, you know? Um, I don't know what to really say for the Tough House. I don't like to count those fights too much because it's like Doctor Jekyll in there. You know, you never—they're away from their camps. They're away for their cut and weight multiple times. There's just so much intangibles you really can't weigh those. And you go, okay, Aaron Jeffrey, you look—you look bad against Kyle Bohio, but look at Kyle Bohio, right? Since then, um, and Aaron Jeffrey since Kyle Bohio, um, dude's only you know got a couple spots there in his record, and. In that fight, I believe Jeffrey had a a few more fights than Petrovsky he was a bit more experienced against better competition coming into that fight. And if you look at it, Petrovsky was only fighting for like I think like five days shy of two years as a pro. And that was his first fight in the pandemic. You know, uh, two judges give him the first round and then he really gets it and then you you hear Aaron Jeffrey's corner really smart, like, you know, doing that pace fighting stuff going you know, when he looks for a rest, stay on him, you know, that, that, that pick up and put down the pack that I talk about, and his corner knew exactly what to look for, and Aaron Jeffries was the perfect fighter to execute that, didn't let him breathe, and did his busy work in the clinch, and just, you know, um, finished him with legit strikes, I don't know, you know, um, was he tiring? Of course, did the tiring lead to the strikes, yeah, but I mean, it, it, was, it was legit, some legit strikes against the, uh, the fence there, um, Petrovsky grapples as well. They're both Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belts under a Gracie system. You got uh, Daniel Gracie over Henzo Gracie Philly. And then, of course, you got uh, Nick Maximoff training uh, Cesar Gracie jiu-jitsu with Nate Diaz and company over there, right? Um, They both wrestled. I believe Petrovsky was a national qualifier. Um, And... A Division One national qualifier, whereas uh, Maximov, he says he's all American, but just it all, says he's all American. It doesn't say anything else. Um, and when I actually went to look at his, his school that he wrestled at, like all that came up was a community college. And correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, I don't think you get D1 from the, the, those schools or those programs. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, folks. But I, I'm I'm wondering if you're able to still achieve all American honors with a certain amount of wins from you know, I'm, I don't know what uh, division level of school, because um, you could be Division 2 on right? So maybe it was uh, he was still able to qualify for enough wins, but um, you know, uh, as a guy who went to community college, I'm not shit on community colleges or anything. I'm just saying that like, I haven't really heard much of this place, so I don't, I don't know. Um, I think Petrovsky's is the more explosive wrestler, probably the better wrestler, but again, that gas tank is going to make all the difference for MMA grappling. Um, Maximov's, you know, he's much more positionally sound uh, offensively and defensively. So I think that's going to win the day here. He keeps a tight guard, and he actually does have some decent strikes, even though I still am adamant that Puna Soriano beat him two rounds to one. And he had a blown out knee for that second round and still beat his ass. And even in the third round, landed the hardest strikes of the third round, getting up off his feet to finish the round, finishing the round on his feet, landing the hardest strikes of the round, despite, you know, Puna not having the greatest gas tank either and, like, having one leg at that point of the fight uh, for half the fight. Um, So believe me, this feels like Petrovsky should upset and you should just take him out of principle dog or pass. It is dog or pass, but, ah, man, I feel like Maximoff's going to keep a tight guard land enough shots, Petrovsky looks like he can still be hurt too, so who knows, Maximov, to his credit, he looks like he'd be, he'd be durable, and Petrovsky's in some, like, he throws with a lot of power, and he looks, like, impressive, but he's not, like, stunning guys regularly, he's not getting standing knockouts or anything, and Maximoff, to his credit, took a lot of heavy shots from uh, from Puna, and wore them well, even the blood, um, you know, enough to, you know, bullshit the judges into giving him a win. Fucking 30-27, max him off, really? Um, but, yeah. Um, you know, and, and it sucks because he's going to do himself an injustice, and I was hoping he gets a bigger st- uh, step up, but, um, you know, they're giving him uh, a nice little ride, but he's, he's going to hit the level. It may even be here, who knows? Because, you know, the, the kids was just being rash. I mean, you don't go out and do... Like, eight grappling tournament fights or whatever between getting signed off Contender Series in your first fight unless you're really trying to make up for some fucking lost time because you know you're being rushed, you know? You know what I'm saying? Just like that clip where, like, uh, Nate was like, you know, that TMZ one. was, yeah, you know, fucking Comzat. Uh, fucking, you know, I'll fight you. You know what? I didn't have to fight you. Nick will fight you right here, motherfucker. And Max looks at him like, why? Like, what? I'm going to fight Kamzat? And then, you know, he's just, you know, doing the whole Nick Diaz army thing. He's like, yeah, I'm going to talk like Nick. And, like, uh, you know, I'm just say, like, uh, yeah, uh, from Chico to 209, right? Yeah, yeah, tell him, tell him, Nick Max Marsh. Uh, It's like, fuck, it's like, Nate, what? And Nate's all like, yeah, it's right, stacked in. Like, Nate, that's what's up. Like, Nate, I, I don't know if that's what's up. I feel like when guys did that to you, that, that was not what's up. No, I didn't. Maximoff represented. He's represented. That's why if you go to his Instagram, you're going to see Nick Maximoff represent clothing. Like, I get it, but, like, you guys have a, a pretty consistent image. Like, what? what I, I don't... This guy? Like, he looks like a... Uh, I mean... The, the style? and What's wrong with the style, dog? Look, you telling me that a steroided up Ryan Gosling from Place Beyond the Pines who likes to hump his opponents against the fence ain't, ain't true or not? That? That's pretty fucking true on if you ask me, dog. Alright, I appreciate the fuck out of that Place Beyond the Pines reference, Nate, but, you know, say what you will, cutesy tattoos or not, the this kid this doesn't 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 smack of uh, you know I mean I know he he sound like you he got the impression but like I mean doesn't that piss you off Nate I mean the guy's like clearly he's copying your voice he pissed me out. Dog, you know, anything I'm pissed about is that like I didn't have that Nick in, instead in school because I could have just like you know been like Ferris Bueller's day off you know I could have had. I could have gone and smoked weed at the park and ride bikes with with my brother Nick, and, and then if my parents came home and like, hey, "Nate, you stay home sick." What are you feeling? and then, then maximize bitch ass could have been like, oh, "I'm fine. I'm just fucking Ryan Gosling," you know. All right, Nate. All right. Well, on that note, I wish your guy luck. I guess I'm. I'll. I guess I'll pick him by a boring ass decision. Just to keep this stupid gimmick going. Um. You know, um, but, uh, you know, I could see him maybe getting back control, Petrovsky getting some positions and sucking it away or something and whatnot. But I'll pick him. But you know what? I, I What I did write down is I wrote Petrovsky inside the distance plus 900. That just seems like a stupid number. Part of me wants to just, like, throw, like, like 20 bucks on that, you know, just for the shit of it. Or even Petrovsky by decision. He's never wanted decisions. That would be even a hell of a thing. You are getting, like, plus over plus 500 for it for what it's worth, as you should. But like he's the more damaging guy. Maybe like the judges might actually get it right and not reward cage pushing. Like so, so long as like Petrovsky doesn't take any huge shots and doesn't get his back taken. The problem is, I think he gets his back taken. And Petrovsky seems to be a bleeder too. Like even like uh, the Philly guys, like Paul Felder, like commentating his grappling stuff. Um, you know, was like joking on like how he bleeds, how he just bleeds all the time. So uh, so yeah, I'm. You know, again, it's just like these fucking contenders. I'm picking these contender series fucks like Hadley, though I don't want to, um, or you know, uh, or uh, Maximoff. But like, you should be looking, you know, like if you're looking for a play, it's like Nascimento sub plus 525 or Petrovsky inside the distance sprinkles a plus 900. Like, it's hard to find, you know, numbers that big to even take flyers on. So part of me kind of wants to, but uh, I'm picking the opposite way. I know that's very bitch-like, but... it's probably what's going to happen, I guess. But uh, I'm I'm rooting against it. I hope I'm wrong. All right. How do we do on time? Hour and ten. Still made this long, Dan. Good job, you fucking idiot. All right. I'm taking Rakic over Blahovich. Taking Cute Laba over Span. Taking Davey Grant over Smoka. Taking Chukagian over Hibosh. Taking Camacho over Torres. Taking Hadley over Nascimento. Taking Lee... Donnie over Araujo Taking Johnson over Patrick, Taking Hanji Joba over Hill Taking Tyra over Candelario Taking Maximum Over Petroski um, Cute Laba And Hanji Joba Parlayed Plus 120 for a unit Camacho Plus 106 for a unit uh, Vernus sub Slash inside the distance At plus 125.37 units And that's it Thanks for listening, folks. Good luck this weekend. Um, if you want to support the podcast, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com supports this here free show. You can find click-throughs on Amazon and some other shitty companies, uh, as well as secure PayPal links through my link tree as well, at and on Twitter, at the PyM Podcast on all social platforms. If you want to like and share, subscribe, I won't pollute your feed. It really, really does help. Thank you guys for sharing, supporting, spreading the word um, any way you can. It, it really means a lot. Good luck on your picks and plays, and always protect your neck.